Welcome back everyone. The four-factor dividend growth portfolio is chugging along and getting very close to wrapping up its first year of existence. August wasn't the best month as the portfolio shed 57 basis points, but it did perform better than the S&P 500 that fell by 1.59%. With this added alpha, the portfolio is now 3.95% ahead of the S&P since inception and it has a total return of 22.10%. That's not a bad place to be sitting 10 months into this young strategy's life. It's definitely better than I initially hoped for, and I'm optimistic about what lies ahead. If you're not familiar with this portfolio, I'll leave a link in the description below to the original video that can explain how this portfolio came to be, how it was built, and some of the early performance highlights. Today I want to talk about the prior month, how we got to the 22.1% return thus far, what the dividend income and growth has been, and of course, I will tell you which 20 stocks would have been included in the strategy at the start of September if I were to launch it again from scratch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. August was a pretty sour month for equities overall. The best way to sum up the month is to look at the 1.59% loss for the S&P 500. So how is this portfolio able to secure a much smaller loss? It really boils down to just 5 stocks, even though 10 out of the 30 holdings in this portfolio posted positive gains in August. But these 5 key positions all make up a larger allocation in the portfolio, with the combined weight of all 5 being roughly 33%. The best performer last month was Cisco, that added 10.2%. MasterCard posted a gain of 4.66%, Visa posted a gain of 3.54%, Accenture was up 2.35%, and Merck added 2.18%. Collectively, these 5 stocks drove the return in August, and offset some of the larger losses from the other 20 stocks that had negative returns. And we did have some very sour positions last month. For example, T. Rowe Price Group fell by 8.95%, UPS fell by 8.64%, Expeditors International of Washington fell by 8.32%. There were two more stocks that posted losses in excess of 7%. One position lost more than 6%, and one lost more than 5%. Looking at the individual returns of all 30 stocks since portfolio launch, 27 are positive and only 3 are negative. That's pretty remarkable. LAM Research is the best stock thus far, with a gain of 75.24%. Applied Materials is in a very close second place, with a gain of 74.69%. And in a distant third place, we have KLA Corporation, with a gain of 60.65%. Three stocks are up more than 50%. Taiwan Semiconductor and Monolithic Power Systems are up 54%. And Ferguson PLC is up 50%. ASML Holdings is up 41%. There are no stocks in the 30-39% range. But we do have eight stocks that are up more than 20%. They are MasterCard, Cisco, Lowe's, Fastnell, Expeditors International of Washington, Skyworks Solutions, Snap-on, and Garmin. Five stocks are up more than 10%. They are Home Depot, Visa, Accenture, BlackRock, and Best Buy. Seven stocks have positive returns, but all less than 10%. They are AbbVie, Merck, Texas Instruments, UPS, ADP, Paychex, and T. Rowe Price Group. And the final three stocks that are currently sitting in the red are Rollins with a loss of 4.71%. Lockheed Martin with a loss of 5.45%, and Infosys with a loss of 6.01%. If we look at the arithmetic average return for all 30 stocks, it comes out to be 23.76%.
which is better than the actual portfolio's return. So this tells me that an equal weight allocation would have performed better than the market cap weighted allocation I applied. Additionally, the arithmetic average return computed this way assumes that the equal weight allocation would have been rebalanced at each month end. I have not rebalanced my portfolio at all since it was launched. The only thing I have done to steer the positions towards the original asset allocation was reinvest the dividends in the most underweight positions. It's not that difficult to measure the impact on the total return from the portfolio drift. As of right now, the portfolio is about 9% off target when you sum up the absolute drift for all 30 positions. That may seem pretty significant, but the impact on total return has not been very high. In August, the portfolio fell by 0.57%, while the portfolio at target weight would have fallen by only 0.54%. So had I rebalanced the positions on August 1st, I would have gained an extra 3 basis points last month. During some months, the target weight performed better, and for other months, the actual portfolio gained a little alpha. Overall, since inception, the target-weighted portfolio is performing 0.35% better, which suggests that a monthly rebalancing would have worked out better thus far. This may or may not continue to hold true, but the biggest consideration of whether I should rebalance on a monthly basis are the tax implications. I hold this portfolio in a traditional IRA account, so there are no tax consequences from rebalancing frequently. But if it was held in a taxable account, I would certainly prefer not to rebalance more frequently than once per year, when new constituent stocks are selected. We are quickly approaching the next annual rebalancing for the portfolio that will take place on November 1st, and I will be making a few changes to the composition of the portfolio. Aside from selecting new stocks using the four-factor stock selection process, the portfolio will only include 20 stocks in the upcoming fiscal year, and they will all have an equal weight. Something I observed after this portfolio was launched was that using the market cap to set the initial allocation favored larger companies, and it distorted the original ranking process. So regardless of where a stock ranked, whether it was the highest ranked stock or number 30, its weight in the portfolio was purely determined by the size of the company. I backtested how a different approach would have performed thus far. If I only chose the top 20 stocks, and I did this by the original rank order and set an equal weight allocation, the resulting portfolio actually performed better than the real portfolio. Through month end August, the top 20 stocks have a total return of 26.9%, which is nearly 5% better than the real portfolio. And while the smaller 20 stock portfolio is more volatile, it has performed considerably better. Okay, let's go back to the portfolio for a second and talk about the dividends it has produced in the first 10 months. After all, this is a dividend-oriented strategy, and even though I like to focus primarily on total return, I am very interested in the dividend stream and dividend growth rate this strategy will be able to attain. The dividend income in August was good. The portfolio paid out $4.69 in dividends. Keep in mind that I only allocated approximately $2,000 to this strategy, so the dividend income was never going to be substantial. The more important aspect for me is the actual dividend growth rate, which has thus far been okay. At portfolio launch, the projected 12-month dividend income was $43.31. As of today, it sits at $46.12, which gives us a 6.49% dividend growth rate. To date, 19 out of the 30 positions have increased their dividend rate, with the average increase being 12.12%. The 6.49% dividend growth rate is at the portfolio level, and factors in the 11 stocks that have yet to announce a dividend increase. With two months left in the year, having 11 stocks that have not announced a dividend increase sounds like a lot. What I think happened here is that a few of these stocks announced their late 2022 or early 2023 dividend increases as this portfolio was launched, and my original tracking sheet already included the new higher dividend rates as the starting point. Therefore, these increases aren't showing up in my spreadsheet. I could go back and try to figure these out, but I'm not sure if I want to spend my time doing that. What I'm more interested in is how the first year's dividend income will compare to the dividend income in year number two. I'd rather measure dividend growth and actual dividends paid. And what will be interesting is how the reconstitution of the portfolio will impact the dividend yield. 
So the dividend income has been pretty good thus far, and the total return has come in higher than expected. So overall, I'm very happy with how the strategy has worked out. In May of this year, I started tracking the four-factor list on a monthly basis. I did this for the dividend growth strategy that this portfolio tracks, and I also did it for a strategy focused on a higher dividend yield. And more recently, I started tracking the four-factor strategy for the dividend aristocrats and the dividend kings. All of these lists are shared with my Patreon community, and they are updated at each month end. I haven't analyzed this data too much yet, and when I do, I'll probably share the results here as well. For now, if you're a Patreon member, you can track these lists live as they're updated on Google Sheets. As promised earlier, let me share with you the top 20 stocks on the September 4-factor dividend growth list. I'll read off just the ticker symbols. And we have SQM, EOG, WSM, INFY, ADP, TXN, FAST, RHI, PAYX, HD, ODFL, MPWR, LRCX, ASML, MAS, LSTR, AVGO, CNS, MCHP, and UPS. The two changes from the prior month are MCHP that moved up 19 spots on the list, and UPS that moved up one spot. The lists don't change very much from month to month. Sometimes it's just one or two stocks that moves up or down and makes the top 20 cut. I actually launched a brand new 4-factor portfolio with about $7,900 using this top 20 list, and that portfolio was launched on September 1st. I liked the 4-factor strategy so much that I decided to add a little bit more money to it. The original portfolio that I talked about today and this new one will have slightly different positions, but for the most part they will be very similar. However, each will be reviewed and rebalanced separately. That's it for today. If you enjoyed the episode, please do me a favor and give this podcast a 5-star rating. Thank you for joining me today and see you next time.